This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. Bringing you a common sense and fresh perspective to creating a just society. This is Common Sense on Social Justice. You'll get equipped with the tools you need to carry out social justice right where you are. Now, here's the host of Common Sense on Social Justice, Michael Davis. And thank you so much for joining us. I'm glad you could be here again today as we continue our study of the Compendium of the Social Teaching of the Church. Um, And we are entering the last chapter, chapter 12 today. So uh, next week, we're going to conclude with an amazing talk uh, about the very key ingredient in a just society. But thank you for joining us again today. I always enjoy the conversations I get through emails. And at the end, you'll get the email address. I want you to converse with me because I can learn from you. We can learn from each other and encourage each other along this sometimes very rough journey of creating a just society right where we are. In this last chapter, chapter 12 of the compendium, the Pontifical Council asked the church to take action. Now, Jesus likened the church to yeast, which starts small, but works itself through the whole dough. And the church should be working and integrating into every part of society in order to spread light and goodness. Now, the church in its reality is not an organization. That's kind of a, um, something that's kind of developed over time and create a lot of controversy along the way. But the church in its reality is not an organization or a thing to go to. Rather, the church is simply is the people, uh, people who are part of everyday society. Uh, the church is a people who have centered their lives on God and are seeking to journey with the world to its good end. So today, let's look at how that can happen uh, within the context of the church. Now, those of you who may be listening may or may not be uh, Christian or Catholic, and you may... Um, you know, uh, be in some other religion or not a religion at all. I just encourage you to be creative. I'm going to be speaking from a Catholic perspective because the compendium is a doctrine of the U.S. Catholic bishops. But I encourage you to be creative if you're, you know, maybe you're Jewish in your faith or Hindu, whatever it is. I encourage you to just be creative and hear the principles that are being presented here today because they certainly apply to everyone. Now, the in the compendium, the first part of chapter 12 looks at the role of priests and bishops in creating, uh, putting all these principles together and helping their congregations to and their parishes to to become just places, places of social justice. The fact is, bishops and priests are called to shepherd people. They're not called to be rock stars. They're not called to be career religionists. 
or theology gurus. They're given the bishops and priests are given to us to be spiritual shepherds, to guide us in our journey to return to unity with God or with spirit. And part of that responsibility includes guiding us in loving our neighbor as ourself. The role of church leaders is to build up the whole person. You know, there's not this, as humans, we're not split into a secular side and a spiritual side. As humans, we are one. And in that oneness, we uh, experience spiritual connection with spirit world. We experience physical connection here in this material world on planet earth. And so the fact is, is that, that there isn't this dichotomy. And so priests and bishops are given the task to build up the whole human being. And the Pontifical Council in this final chapter asks priests to guide the people under their care to a life of justice. So if you're a priest or bishop who happens to be listening to this, I really want to take this section and encourage you and help remind you of your part in creation. I actually used to be a a Protestant pastor, and I, I know that I would have these lofty goals of doing just this, helping build up the whole person. Then I would get sidetracked. You get busy. You get controversies swirling around you. You've got people with problems coming to you constantly, and you get sidetracked and forget what your whole purpose is, you know, sometimes. And it's the human condition. So so no blame on priests or bishops who may have forgotten what their role is. Just they need mercy and our prayers because I can only imagine having to deal with, you know, so many people, uh, to, to shepherds. So, but this is a good gentle reminder from the pontifical council of what your role is, uh, among us. The compendium suggests that in seminaries, that priests as part of their formation, learn the way of justice and how to build up a people of justice. Uh, And I thank God, you know, for popes like St. John Paul II, Pope Paul VI, Pope Francis, who recently has sought to do just this. These were shepherds who really, I mean, made a, left a just world behind them as they passed on. I really encourage you, by the way, to watch documentaries of Pope John Paul II. Uh, What an incredible life of justice lived out from true spirituality. This was a man of silence. Pope John Paul II was, he was a man of deep prayer and of deep meditation. And out of that came his (laughs) insane ability to confront communism, to bring down uh, just the ravages of capitalism and communism, especially that came out of his homeland of Poland and Russia, all these places that he, he (laughs) just, it's incredible. I mean, he was Pope from what, 1974 to 2005? I mean, you know, watch a good documentary on him. It'll blow you away. But I think it's, those are examples. Pope Paul VI, John Paul II, and now our current Pope Francis. Good examples how to build a people of justice and how to be shepherds. Uh, I think it's interesting, by the way, that the shepherd, capital S, shepherd Jesus, 
which the New Testament scriptures call Jesus the great shepherd, uh, that he told us in Matthew, Matthew's gospel, chapter 25, that the ones who in, would enter into heaven are the ones who lived out true justice and love for their neighbor. Jesus says on that day, on judgment day, there will be, you know, uh, that God would separate out the sheep, uh, the evil from the, the good, just as a sh- shepherd separates the sheep uh, from the goats. And Jesus likened the sheep to those who would enter heaven and the goats who would uh, find their destination in hell. And Jesus said that the criteria that would be used on that day is justice and how they live towards their brother. In fact, to in Matthew 25, Jesus in this, uh, I don't know if you'd want to call it a parable, but at least in this talk about Judgment Day, he says, on that day, uh, he will look to the sheep on his right hand and say, enter into the kingdom of heaven prepared by my father for you before the earth was created, because you fed the hungry, you gave drink to the thirsty, you took in the homeless, you uh, clothed the naked, you visited those in prison, you visited the sick, and it'll be like, well, when did we do, you know, all these things? And then to the ones on the left, the goats who were finding their way to suffering, Jesus says uh, that God will say to them on that day, you are not entering heaven because you did not feed the hungry, did not clothe the naked, did not visit those in prison, did not visit the sick, did not take in the homeless. You know, in other words, Jesus is like there's direct connect between how we live out towards each other and our relationship with the creator. So we've got to remember, uh, or you have to remember as priests and bishops that you've been given an awesome responsibility to help us figure out how to live that out. And it's, according to Matthew 25, it's not about whether we had our theology right. It's not about whether we we had all of our motions in the Mass right and all of that. It is, did we love our neighbor as ourselves? And so as priests, if you've lost your way a bit, it's easy to do. No, no judgment for me because it's... It's a tough task you've been given to do, but remember your main task is to help us learn how to live in love towards each other. Now I have a message for those of you who aren't Catholic. Let me explain. There's some terms I'm going to throw around. I need to need to uh, explain the term uh, lay faithful. I'm going to use that a lot. Uh, The people that are not church leaders are called the laity, the common person. You know, us, most of us. And the priests have been given the task to build up the lady to help them in their journey towards God. So the lay faithful are those who just consistently try to get it right, try to overcome their attachments and their sins and try to get it right. So that's lay faithful. I'm going to throw that term. And so as I speak to priests right now who may be listening, I have a message for you from the lay faithful. I've crafted this message after countless conversations with people over the years. And I thought, what would be a message that summarizes all the conversations I've had around relationship of the lay faithful to the priest? So if you're a priest or a bishop listening, please 
hear this message from the lay faithful. We are tired of hearing what you think is right or wrong theology. We are tired of being told what to believe and what not to believe. We are not that it's not important to know the truth. That is very important. However, what we really want are answers to live and how to live and how to live in a world so torn apart by violence and hatred. How do we live out Matthew 25? How do we live in love at our jobs, in our homes, in our neighborhoods? That's what we really need. You see, we are sheep, and Jesus even called us sheep, and we need to know how to do this. And the best place to start is us seeing you love us and showing us how to love by your example. I really want you to spend time thinking about that because that's really something that rings true with a lot of common people. Now, here are some ideas that may help. And by the way, again, if you're in a different faith or a different different tradition of spirituality, I encourage you to take these principles and apply them in your context because they're easily applicable to all people. But the first thing is that in the formation of priests at our seminaries, uh, should, and the Pontifical Council says this in the compendium, that the in the formation of priests, that includes formation of lay people, should include the formation of lay people in their entire life. In other words, in seminaries, priests should be taught and trained how to form the whole person in their entire life. And that includes how to build communities of justice In seminaries that should be taught. How do priests build a parish that is a community of love and justice? How do they do that? Well, one way is that all the one and others in the new Testament should be lived out. By the way, I encourage you to just Google what are the one and others in the New Testament and be dazzled by the wisdom of God. There are countless one and others, love one another, forgive one another, bear one another's burdens, admonish one another, encourage one another, and on and on. Priests need to be trained how to build parishes that are consistently living out the one another's to us. You know, I'm kind of done, personally done with the parish model of we all come to mass and then we go home. No, we've got to be learn how to be communities living out that one another with each other and not being strangers to each other. Another way that, that uh, priests can help the people is, having formation groups in the parish where social teaching of the church is front and center. Uh, another way is, uh, and the pontifical council hits this one kind of hard that the social teaching of the church should be built into catechesis and then ongoing formation reminders, accountability of the lay faithful to live out love. There should be accountability to the people in the parish and say, are you doing this? If you're not, you should be at confession for not doing that. Seriously, seriously. 
couple examples I think of here is St. Paul teaching the churches how to live and love each other. So there was a problem in the church in Corinth, and Corinth was a metropolitan city in the Roman Empire, and, you know, it was uh, this major, uh, you know, business exchange city. And in the church that Paul started in Corinth, there developed a lot of problems with fighting and division and and uh, immorality and different things. And so what does Paul do? He teaches them, this is what it looks like to be a community of love. Yeah, that's why he does. He gives them all these examples. You now look at the cross. What do we learn from the cross? Look at the, the wisdom of God in the cross. Look at, uh, you know, who's really the Savior here? It's not Paul. It's not Apollos. It's Jesus, you know, and all these things. So Paul gently teaches them and then shows them step by step how to live out a life of love. Another example I was thinking of is putting saints who lived out justice radically, putting them consistently in front of the lay faithful, Mother Teresa, right? St. Francis of Assisi, Uh, St. Benedict Joseph Labray, who we'll talk about a little bit later. Other saints that consistently lived a life of justice towards others, just keeping them constantly front and center, right in front of the lay faithful. But now that we've talked to priests and bishops, let's talk to the lay faithful. Those of you who are the common person, again, if you're not Catholic, that's okay. We just apply it to your life uh, and into your context. But the role, and the compendium talks about this, the role of the lay faithful. Do you know who the real players in the church are? Do you know? It's not Pope. It's not the Pope. It's not the archbishop, it's you. You are the main player. St. Paul talks about that in his letter to the church in Ephesus. He says that that the, the leaders of the church are to be building up the people. Why? Because they're the main players in the church. So if you find yourself to not be a priest or bishop or the pope, you know, and if you're not sure if you're the Pope or not, just look at your address. If you don't live in the Vatican, you're probably not the Pope, okay? But, you know, if you're not a church leader, you're just, you're the common person like me, then I encourage you to imitate the leaders in the church who are worthy of that and live out what you learn from them. You see, the big-time saints... And St. Therese Lisieux always called herself a little saint. She said that... John and Peter and all them, those were the big saints, <laughs> and she's a little saint. But, you know, the big-time saints weren't necessarily church leaders. You know, I think of Mother Teresa. She wasn't a church leader. She's just this little sister <laughs> went out in the streets of Calcutta, India. Just kind of did her thing. And to prove that she wasn't a church leader, she had to get permission <laughs> to do what she did. So she wasn't a church leader. St. Benedict Joseph Labray wasn't a church leader. Others... You know, and I want to tell you the story of St. Benedict Joseph Labray. He's my patron saint. When you become Catholic, you take on a patron saint who's going to guide you throughout your life and your journey towards God. And so I chose, after a lot of research, when I became Catholic, I chose St. Benedict Joseph Labray. Uh, his picture's on my phone. But he was a homeless man in the 1700s in France. So Labray, being from France, he... Uh, 
And by the way, this is an interesting fact, but when you are confirmed as a Catholic, you take on your patron saint's name. It's, you know, it's kind of a Christian tradition to change your name after baptism. So I, uh, the priest, when he poured the oil on my head, he didn't say, I'm confirming you, Michael Davis. He said, I'm confirming you, Benedict Joseph Labray. So I took on that name just so that's a spiritual name I have. But St. Benedict Joseph Labray, a homeless man from France in the 1700s, he wanted badly to be a Trappist monk. And I, I consistently go to a Trappist minister, uh, monastery to meditate and hang out with the monks uh, outside of Portland. And, and uh, he wanted, I think he tried six times to get accepted into a Trappist monastery, and he was seen as unfit to be a monk. <laughs> so instead of giving up, he made the world his monastery. He became homeless and he walked all over the continent of Europe, walked over the entire continent of Europe or most of it and ended up in Rome, but he would be gone for six weeks. Like he would be like missing for six weeks. Now, if you're Catholic, you know what adoration is. And maybe sometimes you spend an hour in adoration. Lebray, St. Lebray would spend weeks in adoration. And wouldn't eat during that time. He was a beggar. He wore tattered clothes and he, he slept outside, homeless. He, he, he was a beggar. And if he earned enough from begging for two meals in a day, he would give one of the meals to somebody else. And if another beggar was too sick to beg, he would beg for them and forget about himself and his own needs. Uh, he was known to perform miracles on other homeless people that he would be sleeping close to. Uh, I mean, major miracles that he would do uh, on these people. Eventually he ends up in Rome. He, en he would sleep in the Colosseum in Rome at night. And uh, one morning at the age of, I think, 37, he, from health problems, from just, you know, not taking care of his body, he collapsed and died on the steps of the Roman Colosseum. And within hours of his death, Many miracles happened. Uh, and then it's, the stories are said that the children in the street came running out of the houses around the city of Rome, running in the streets, proclaiming a saint has died. A saint has died. It took, I think, two weeks, I believe it was, for the processional past his casket of all the people whose lives were changed by him. <laughs> he was just a homeless guy, homeless beggar who just dared to make the world his monastery and live a life of justice, healing other homeless people, begging so other beggars could have enough to eat. And all these things, he just lived a life of love for his neighbor. Uh, so, yeah, that's my patron saint, my best friend, Benedict Joseph Labrea. I encourage you to study his life more. But that's what we need to do. We need to get in touch with these saints who live lives in justice and observe their example. St. Paul encouraged the readers uh, or the, the people in the churches he planted. He said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. See, these saints show us how, how it's done. Right. Now, if you're the common person like myself, how do you live out a life of justice? Well, I've got six things here. First of all, just do it. <laughs> okay. Just do it. No more excuses of why you can't. Just do it. Secondly, study the lives of people who lived out justice. Study the teachings of Jesus and other great leaders. Third, love. 
exclamation, exclamation, love, love, from love of neighbor comes the answers. If you just get to know people, the broken and the poor and those on the fringes of society, if you just get to know them and learn to love them, you'll figure out the answers, what to do from there. Fourth, meditate. So many things come to you in meditation. You'll be shocked. If you spend an hour of meditation in silence, you'll be amazed. After a while, if you do that every day, things will just start coming to you. Fifth, surround yourself with radical lovers of the poor. Get to know and surround yourself consistently with other people who are radically loving the poor, and you'll see what to do and how to do it, and you'll get motivated. Sixth, get in close contact with the suffering. Get in very close contact. Go visit nursing homes and observe the abandoned. Get to know the abandoned. Go to um, hospitals and visit the sick. Go to prisons. Visit those in prison. Go to homeless camps. Go to shelters where women with their children are escaping domestic violence. Get, go to refugee camps. <laughs> Volunteer or work for an organization that serves immigrants and refugees. Get up close and personal. And when you get in contact with those who are suffering, it all comes together for you. It all begins to make sense and you figure out what you need to do from that. As we close today... I want to tell you uh, about my friend, Harry, and Harry gave me permission to use his first name, <laughs> but my friend, Harry is a radical lover of the poor. He's old now. He's think he's in his eighties, but his life, he's just been doing his thing, being a radical lover of the poor. And he's just a common person in the pew, common guy at mass, but he Though being your average attender at Mass, he's not your average guy because he is radically in love with Jesus and with the poor. And though he is in his 80s now, he's still just as radical as he's ever been. And he's a true inspiration to me. I'm the actually the most blessed person on earth because Harry is my friend. And I mean that. I've watched him organize town hall meetings at his parishes and piss off everybody in the process. And that's very holy of him. <laughs> I've watched him go to homeless camps, neighborhood meetings, and just defend the poor like there is no tomorrow. And you know, Harry didn't take formal training to learn how to do this. He just did it. And Harry and I teamed up for a few years and managed to get a lot of things done in a particular neighborhood in Portland and mobilizing that neighborhood to serve their homeless neighbors. There's a saying about Dorothy Day, or I may have to do a podcast on her someday because I talk about her enough, but there's a saying about Dorothy Day that she comforted the afflicted and afflicted the comfortable. I'll say that again, Dorothy Day. She comforted the afflicted and afflicted the comfortable. That too describes my friend Harry. 
You see, he made no excuses. He just went for it. And many, many lives have been healed in the process. And he's had his share of enemies. (laughs) But he didn't let that distract him. Harry is a professional lover. That is a professional lover of the poor and those without a voice. And if he goes and passes away before I do, you'll notice several days after that of me not answering my phone. That is because I will be alone somewhere crying my eyes out. Harry has inspired me to do better, to give more, to speak louder, to love more radically. Because you see, Harry's in love with Jesus, not the American Jesus, but rather that homeless rabbi who gave it all away. And you can be too. You can be that radical lover too. If you're listening to this, I want to say this as we close out, that I believe in you. I know that you have so much more power and love to give than you think you do. Be like my friend. Just go for it. Just get in touch with the poor and love and defend them with what you have to work with right where you are. You've been listening to Common Sense on Social Justice with your host, Michael Davis. A common sense and fresh perspective to creating justice where you are. Share your comments and questions with Michael by emailing sjcommonsense at gmail.com. That's sjcommonsense at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through materdayradio.com or the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.